I confess I've been a little nervous about this sermon today because of the water problem, and uh, which meant I was going to meet you for the first time without your having had coffee. And so, but I just want you to know if for the next 15, 20 minutes, you need to take a little cat nap. It's okay with me. This is a place of Sabbath rest. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, and a wee little man was he. He climbed up in the sycamore tree for the Lord he wanted to see. And as the Savior passed him by, he mounted up in the tree. And he said, Zacchaeus, you come down. For I'm going to your house today. For I'm going to your house today. <laughs> now, I mean, I learned that song sitting my legs crossed. I still remember my teacher patting her knee as she was going with the rhythm when I was just a little kid. I must have been four or five years old. And I always remember the first two stanzas, but I was surprised when I was working on the sermon for today that there's actually a, a third stanza. Zacchaeus was a wee little man, but a happy man was he. For he had seen the Lord that day, and a happy man was he, and a very happy man was he. I never knew that stanza. Sometimes Google can be helpful. It's, uh... In fact, if you look at the 2,000-year-old version of the text, it says he wasn't merely happy, he was overjoyed. Now, why was he so happy that we would have to describe him really as beside himself with joy? He is, he's a tax collector. As we heard read, a sinner. He is a publican. He is frowned upon across a large city. It says the people groaned when Jesus gave him attention. This is Jericho. This is Raleigh. You know, this is the big time. Everybody in town knows he's a, he's a tax collector. He's a sinner. And Jesus has picked him and his house to stay of all the people. Of all the people gathered in the street that day, of all the elites, the business executives, the top class people, the folks with early access tickets, with seats on the balcony, as well as all the, the middle managers and the middle class and the working class and the salt of the earth people, the meek, they're all in the street today and they're all jostling for position to see Jesus. And Zacchaeus, who was a wee little man, needed a little help. He climbed up the tree to get a better look. This reminds me of one of my favorite moments in seminary, by the way. Uh, the teacher was explaining to us in the moment that the, the way the words run, you can't quite tell who's short. Is it Zacchaeus or is it Jesus? And 
my friend Kiki, who was sitting beside me, said to the professor, Oh, no, don't you go making my Jesus short. <laughs> so in honor of Kiki, uh, Zacchaeus is the one that's short. Sticking with her, with the words of the song, he was a wee little man, and he was the worst. You think of who's the worst. Oh, he was the worst. Tax collector. Here's what... Here's what tax collectors do or did. Not making fun of IRS agents. Um, I've got IRS friends, but I'm talking about in the old days with Rome. Here's how the system worked. Uh, the empire would give them an allotted amount to go and collect, and that that would come back to the empire. All of that would go back to, to Rome. So the tax collector's job was, was to go in, around and collect what the empire needed and also what they needed to live on. And so it was a system that was ripe for abuse and extortion. Uh, it was not a well-regulated system. Uh, and so people were often taken advantage of. People, uh, poor folks, didn't have any recourse. A tax collector would come to their door, take their money, and funnel it back to the empire. Zacchaeus was the chief one of those guys. So he, he wasn't even doing the legwork. He was sitting back and and the underlings, the, the middle guys, were coming back to him and filling his coffers. And so it was like this pyramid scheme in a way. Like I said, he, he was the worst. Enriched himself on people's hard work and suffering while not lifting a finger himself. And today, Jesus comes and picks this one out to hang out with, to go to his house, to dine with. And a happy man was he? Well, we'd all be happy too if that's the kind of life we lived. And the most famous person in the region came and chose us. Came into the gym and picked the shortest guy first to be on the basketball team. But another reason we could wonder why he's so happy, why is a tax collector so overjoyed to come and host this one whose mother earlier in Luke sang a song talking about scattering the proud and bringing down the powerful and lifting up the lowly and filling the hungry with good things. Why would he want to hang out with someone who said that? Because clearly he's caught in that mess. If I were Zacchaeus, still up to my old ways of collecting taxes, the last person I would want to see is the one whose mother taught him to send the rich away empty. So isn't it interesting that Jesus looks up in the tree and puts the crosshairs on this one who would be more otherwise likely to win the Powerball than seeing the kingdom of God. Why is Zacchaeus so happy? Maybe it's because he can already see the kingdom coming. Maybe we've all judged a book by its cover a little bit too early 
Maybe it depends on the version of the story we read to recognize what's really begun to happen already in Zacchaeus' life. You see, the way I learned the story was that when Jesus comes to Zacchaeus' house, Zacchaeus is overwhelmed uh, by Jesus' presence and his lessons and the kingdom he describes, and he changes his life then and there. From then on, he gives half of all his income to the poor and he restores those he's defrauded fourfold. The change happens after Jesus' visit. But in the way the words run in the original story, and you can read it this way in the King James Version and other versions, Zacchaeus, when Jesus comes to his house, he says, I give half my income to the poor. And if I've defrauded anyone, I restore it fourfold. It is as if he's already doing this somehow. Somehow he's already caught wind of the message that Jesus has sent out and he's begun to change his life according to it. And all of a sudden, the one who has changed his life has come to town and he's so eager to see him that he climbs a tree to get a better view and he gets picked out of all those people. He's still a tax collector. His job title still makes people groan. But Jesus calls him today a son of Abraham. In fact, what he's doing is what Leviticus, Exodus, Leviticus, and Numbers all say to do when someone uh, is engaged in gathering interest and compounding interest on the backs of working people. It's exactly what you're supposed to do according to the rules in the Torah. If you're, if you're caught with a stolen animal or if you've stolen an animal and, it's, and slaughtered it for your own benefit, then you restore it fivefold. Well, well Zacchaeus has, has perhaps begun to recognize that the work he's been involved in is causing suffering. It's leading to more suffering. He's fattening himself in a day of slaughter, as the scriptures say. And somehow word got to him. The word of God came over him and changed him. So much so that Jesus says, and I quote, I must come to your house today. It is as if Jesus had had caught wind of this fellow who had been rich and is now giving away everything he had, not profiting any more off of the people like he could, like the law allowed him to. And Jesus hears about this man through the grapevine. Then he sees him in the tree and he's so excited that he picks him out of the crowd and he says, I must come to your house today. I've got to hear your story. I can't believe what I've heard. I want to come and I want you to tell me everything about your business practices because just a chapter earlier, I was telling my disciples it'd be harder for a camel to thread a needle than for someone like you to see the kingdom. I must come to your house today. Imagine in our day and time, an executive. I don't mean a middle person. I don't even mean a a business owner. I mean an executive, someone making 300, 400 times more than their average employee, saying to the whole company, we're not going to profit like this anymore. Uh, we're going to shut down the collection, collections agencies. We're going to cancel the debts the people owe us. And we're going to restore fourfold back to the people that our business is bankrupted. Uh, 
I'm not going to accept a $10 million salary anymore. I'm not going to accept stock options. In fact, I'm going to look up the addresses of the people that my business is hurting. I'm going to go to each one of them and I'm going to say at their dining room table, tell me what you're going through. I want to make this right. That's what Zacchaeus is doing. That's how astonishing it is. And that is the reason that Jesus, out of all the people in this big city, picks him to go to his house and break bread. John the Baptist, the greatest preacher in the history of the world, second only to Jesus, he tells the tax collectors early on in Luke, take no more than is prescribed for you. But if Zacchaeus does this, no longer is he going to be the swaggering rich publican that he's been able to be. His income is going to drop. He's going to be among, well, he's going to be among us. The hoi polloi, the regular folks. And he's also going to make the empire nervous. Because if this catches on, what's the empire going to do if the other tax collectors do what John the Baptist said and what Zacchaeus has begun to do, there's all of a sudden not going to be a profit motive to get them out there in the neighborhoods and in the cities to collect the income for the empire. So it's like Zacchaeus is just one of these, he's just one guy, but he's already thrown this wrench in the gears of this tremendous, uh, pervasive system of, of economic inequality. Just one wrench, but boy, if, if it catches on. Just a chapter earlier, Jesus encounters this, the rich ruler. He's the, the law-abiding citizen, the caring, kind person, loves God, loves his neighbor. Jesus says he lacks one thing, sell all you have and give the proceeds to the poor, and the rich ruler turns and walks away. And the disciples say, good grief, uh, if he can't be saved, this is, a, this is sort of the goal in our life, Jesus, to, to become wealthy and, and to make it and to really put my college degree to work and, and climb the ladder. And Jesus says, if he can't be saved, who can be saved? Jesus says, well, with God, not all things are impossible. And then the very next chapter we have, well, we have this one who actually does it. It does happen. People who, who profit on the suffering of others, they can change. Jesus comes to their house and he says, salvation's here. I remember about 10 years ago, there was a, a man who made it uh, on all the, the front pages of the newspapers, Wendell Potter. He was a, uh, an executive for a, a huge healthcare company. Uh, it was his particular job to uh, be in charge of communication. So whatever it is the, the common person or the public thinks of this particular company, it was his charge to craft that message. So he was kind of a propagandist, if you will. So one day he visits a medical clinic. It's a pop-up medical clinic in the middle of rural Virginia. And he sees hundreds of people lined up just for basic medical services. 
It's a rainy day. There are sick people lying on gurneys in the parking lot, uh, soaking wet, waiting to get free medical care. This is going to be their only chance until the pop-up medical clinic comes back around. And that day, he said, something broke inside of him. His heart just cracked and began to, to flow. He resigned his position. He gave up his own health care and jumped on his wife's health care plan, which was a catastrophic plan because she was a Banana Republic shop manager. And then he began to teach people just how these large companies fleece us. And here today in the text, Jesus holds up this one who disrupts the economic order in order to give a glimpse in just one place, in one neighborhood, in one city of what God's economy really looks like. Now salvation comes in many ways in the text. We find salvation coming through healing. In fact, Jesus heals a woman in in Luke. Uh, She's been stooped over. He, He straightens her up. Her faith has made her well, and he says to her, you are a daughter of Abraham. Salvation comes to people who've changed their minds, who who give things up. Salvation comes to people who have been healed. Salvation comes to people who've been made whole, or have given up an ideology, or given up a particular way of life that was taken advantage of someone else. Salvation comes to us in so many different ways, and today Jesus points to yet another facet of salvation. He lifts up this one over whom Jesus gets excited. Now we can point to the publicans and the tax collectors and the executives, but I also wonder today about myself. And I wonder what it is that I have done or am doing, how it is that I've been changed or how I've become someone who's being changed in such a way that if Jesus were to come to my neighborhood, he'd want to come to my house and sit down at my dining table and say, tell me all about the difference I've made in your life. I wonder what changes are coming over me and over you that would compel Jesus to come to our neighborhoods and walk up our stairs into our living rooms and sit down at our tables and say, salvation has come here. Well, today... Salvation comes to those who disrupt the economic order at their own expense for Jesus' sake. Jesus lifts them up. He says to us, this salvation can be yours too. Don't forget the last stanza. And a very happy man was he. And a very happy man was he.